Welcome to this episode of The Authentic Advisor, which discusses and debates the hot topics impacting business advisors globally. My name is James Mason. I'm really pleased to be joined today by Nikita Tomlinson, a Director of Accounting and Advisory Firm Sudbury's in New Zealand, to discuss shifts around leadership and culture and what she's seeing out with successful clients at the moment. So thanks for joining me, Nikita. Thanks for having me, James. I'm excited. Yeah, no, looking forward to getting into this conversation. It's an area like you I'm, I'm passionate about, but I, I think it would be good if, before we get into some of those topics to just get a bit more of an understanding of your background and journey to date as a director of Sudbury's because it's probably not a traditional pathway in a in a professional service firm. So interested to hear a bit more about that. Yep, cool. Uh, this is, I always find this a real challenging question to answer, I suppose, because it's quite diverse. Uh, I thought diverse was a better way of describing it than a bit schmushed. So <laughs> I, um, I did a Bachelor of Management Studies at Waikato University, uh, which essentially got me into business and strategy and marketing and that kind of thing. Um, I began managing people and business when I was 21, 22, so both in retail and in hospitality. Uh, and then that just kind of led me into a business development role in Australia, actually. So we moved to Melbourne uh, and spent a couple of years in Melbourne for a New Zealand-based company, but setting up over in Australia. So we were B2B sales. Um, I had to establish my territory, help support the other territories while they were growing. Um, so that probably gave me a heck of a lot of grit along the way because um, Aussies don't always like talking to Kiwis, uh, especially when our accents are so strong. So that was that. Um, and then uh, we moved back to Lillow, New Zealand, and I took up a role in commercial banking. So I started with ANZ uh, and moved through there to a relationship manager in the commercial business space, so kind of bigger business. Uh, and then in... 2018, I was going back, I was trying to work out when I joined Sudbury's. Steve told me, my fellow director, he said it had been far too long that I've been here, which is fair. <laughs> so, and knowing Steve, he would have said that in the, uh, the, the nicest possible way. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, so I joined Sudbury's late 2018. So ironically, I had actually met Steve on my very first day on the job when I was with ANZ Bank uh, with a mutual client that I still help support now, which is pretty cool. Uh, so I joined in a business growth manager type role. So the, the idea was for us to help grow Sudbury's, but to help grow our clients as well. Uh, that went quite fast. Um, it grew quite fast. And then I became a director of the firm on the 1st of January, 2020. So just over three years now. Right before COVID all started. Right, ticking. yeah, great time to buy into business. <laughs> well, not, not too bad for a professional service firm, but yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, I'm sure yeah. you would have swum swum very quickly. And uh, you yeah. know, I think it, it, around that same time you got involved with Sudbury's, you, you got involved with Mind Shoppers as well. So yeah, kind of the I became on both sides. Yeah, absolutely. We, um, I, that was part of my joining Sudbury's. I suppose was that I went straight into Mind Shop membership as well. Um, and I feel like it was within the first couple of weeks that we had one of our first training sessions with you guys. So I've almost known you the whole time that I've been here as well. So <laughs> quite funny how time passes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I, and I think with that sort of career journey, you've, you've seen so much around what uh, good leadership looks like. And now you're getting that diversity. You know, you would have had it through the banks and now you're getting it through yeah. the, the firm it, itself. And and I know you've always had a passion in this sort of leadership and, and culture space. So how are you structuring that in terms of services in this space 
for Sudbury's clients now? Yeah, cool. I, I wanted to sort of talk a little bit about the why that we've pushed into it, I suppose, because we, we've always done strategy with our clients and we've always kind of gone, let's help businesses grow. And it sort of hit a point a few years ago where we had this kind of realization that business owners needed and wanted more from us as advisors in their business. And, you know, we were, we were doing the strategy piece really beautifully and we would sort of stretch in and out of that as we needed to. But we had this realization that they needed it. And we, because of the roles that we take within their business, we build these incredibly trusted relationships and we become kind of a partner in their journey. And so when we can see, so when we're building a strategy with a business and with a business owner, and we can see that either leadership or culture is going to get in the way and is going to be a roadblock to implementation of that strategy, then we're not doing the right thing by not stepping in and saying something and by not being able to build a support network around them to help because then all of a sudden all of their strategies align. They've got a people strategy that aligns to their overall business strategy and that kind of piece. So we, it's an incredible privilege to do what we do, but that close relationship comes with the responsibility of being able to courageously say, I think you might be the problem here, or I think your leadership might be the problem here, or actually you've got a whole toxic situation that if we don't fix that first, we're not going to achieve anything. Mm. Um, so we, we, I guess, started to become more aware of that and so have pushed more and more into that quite, quite directly and quite strategically. Uh, from a structure services perspective, there's really only kind of three that we play in. There's possibly a fourth. Um, very much around workshops, so either full team or part team or department, uh, leadership team, whatever that might look like. So we do the workshop piece, um, and that can sometimes be multi-person facilitated, so we'll have multiple people running it, depending on the size of the group, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, we do one-on-ones, so we'll do one-on-one -on -one kind of leadership coaching. Um, with the goal of growing the leader within kind of a short space of time to help them deal with whatever might be in there. Uh, and we also offer one-on-ones, but sort of as like a personalized training and development kind of plan. So where we've got individuals that need to grow or they're maybe moving up in seniority within the business, then we'll support them with kind of one-on-one -on -one training around specifically what they need to learn kind of thing. Yes. Um, we, from a tools perspective, we heavily used everything DISC. Uh, that can form the basis of a lot of our workshops, communication, um, certainly building self-awareness within, mm. within individuals as well. Um, and we've actually really enjoyed having the, the MindShop diagnostics as well. So we will regularly, one of my favorite ones was actually I was running a very large leadership workshop with a um, government organization and I asked them all to do the listening diagnostic because mm -hmm. I was talking to them about communication. And so I said, can you all do the listening diagnostic? And all of them, when I grouped them all together, it all came back green. Everything was green. And so I just, I put it on the slide and I just walked to the back of the room and I was like, so that's the biggest red flag that I could possibly have <laughs> is that you all think that you're, you're phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's, that's probably how we, 
how we structure and sell the product or the service, I suppose. Yeah, and I, and I love the point you made that you're using the strategy pieces, the I guess the the door opener, if you like, yeah. of there. That's where a challenge is at, and and having, as you said, that sort of courageous conversations to be able to challenge them, because I certainly when you're looking to build trust, there's a lot of advisors that will shy away from some of those difficult conversations, but in terms of building trust, that's that's absolutely critical. So you can sort of see how all that starts to align. And do you do some of that virtual or everything's face-to-face? -face? Pretty much. Well, we so we have clients across the country and we have clients over in Australia as well. Um, so some of it, as much as we can do face-to-face, -face, we'll do face-to-face. -face. Uh, I particularly prefer doing workshops face-to-face -face when I've got mm. a whole team. Um, when it's one-on-one -on -one coaching, that's fine on Zoom, like absolutely fine on Zoom. And we'll regularly do that. I have kind of monthly meetings with people and it's just online. It's it's efficient. Um, when they're used to it, it's okay. So, but the initial, I think, building that trust piece in person is so important. I agree. Uh, and, and what would you see are some of the big shifts in the last few years in this particular space? Because obviously COVID put a lot of stress on many businesses and leaders and, and you know, high churn rates in. So how's that pulled through into some of the programs that you've observed and clients you work with? Yeah, good question. The, the shifts that we've seen, and I think if I'm honest, we're facing probably a bigger one than what we can even imagine at the moment with the emergence of AI and how that's gonna change and shape the workforce of the future. With the future being now, the future's not in two years time anymore, the future's now. Um, definitely what we noticed with clients and with our own staff over the last few years was that um, their expectations of leaders changed, their expectations and needs from the business changed, and the the old kind of management styles, the old ways of doing things have definitely gone. That is, there's no future in doing that anymore. Um, so that that will be interesting as we move forward because we've still got some of the old, older traditional leadership styles leading and as they kind of make their way out of being in leadership, then we've got this big transition which will start to happen. Um, my view is that leaders need to be phenomenal at three things and those three things will be totally different than what they were three years ago. Um, so the first is communication, which, I mean, that, that's probably the same. Um, but definitely the way that we communicate and how we do it and the fact that we're managing remote teams and in-person teams and that sort of thing, is it's a, it needs whole different strategies for how you do things. Yeah, very deliberate, isn't it? It's sort of Very you, deliberate. You, you've got to, you know, it, people think, you know, this sort of medium, you, but you've still got to throw just as much energy, if not more, yeah. because you don't have the body language and a lot of the other um, yeah. visual cues that may come through um, those areas. So you've got to be a lot more deliberate, I find. Yeah, exactly right. Um, the second one, I think, is empathy. It's it's this really interesting time of um, where leaders can be vulnerable, but they need to be empathetic as well. And that's quite an interesting kind of change. You know, leaders have traditionally been very stoic and, you know, they're fearless and it's all fine, whereas the world's quite quite different now. And I think that's celebrated more and more. And I think the respect from people around you is quite different now. Um, and the third one, which is one that I'm quite feisty about, uh, especially with my clients, is helping them kind of grow into this space is around self-awareness. 
Mm -hmm. So being able to understand like how you do things and why you do things and the fact that not everybody wants to do things that way Mm. uh, and the fact that your communication style may not work. So that's that's been quite interesting. The, The things that we've got upon us from like a change perspective is we've got this generational impact that's happening where we're going to have our um, slightly older generation starting to move out of the workforce in the next two years. Um, and then the workforce is going to be, they estimate 60 to 70% millennials and Gen Zs, mm. uh, which is, I'm a millennial and that's still terrifying. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm, yeah. still, I'm like, well, who does the work? <laughs> yeah, that, that's right. You know, and, and, but it's, a, it's an interesting discussion to have because you do, there's strengths and weaknesses and all, all these you know, generational things, different styles yeah. and the like. And I think this notion of people needing to strike a blend that's authentic to, to them that's going to work in a particular setting might be different than when a market shifts and, and all of a sudden that leadership style is not going to work. You're seeing that playing out in businesses as well. So actually, you, know, you can't come into a workshop, I guess, as a facilitator and sort of just play a generic um, okay, here's this is we're, we're training you in this today. You've got to be very situational, I'd, yep. I'd see in in this leadership space. That um, based on the business, the industry, the type of people, uh, family led. Uh, there's yep. so many different dynamics. So I, I assume that would re- really put um, not not pressure, but play to something like your strength of being a good facilitator. Yeah, and I think um, especially when you're facilitating things like that, you need to. This is this is why the leadership and culture space aligns so beautifully from a strategic perspective, is because you already know and understand the business. Mm. You've you've spent time with the leaders of the business. You might have run a strategy workshop with the full team, so you've you've got quite a good feel for how. Like they say, culture is the way a business feels when somebody who's not an employee walks in to the business, mm-hmm. and so you you but you kind of already then know all of that. So you're not in the room having to go. Well, I need to tailor this to this, or you know, oh crap, I've got too many words on my slideshow, and the people in the back can't read, or you know, like there's there's you understand the business, so you can go. Well, actually, my approach is super tailored because I know your team, and I know how I can, I know where your strengths and your weaknesses are. I can pick up on little things and make little comments where they'll go, oh, that uh, that aligns with me, but how does she know that kind of thing? So it's Yeah, they go hand in hand, don't yeah. they? And, and that's, I think, the challenge because you see a lot of people running, you know, team-building workshops and, again, a very generic approach where they'll, yeah. you know, do a couple of exercises and, you know, a marshmallow here, there and everywhere, yeah. and they can be great in their own context. But um, a lot of people are just ticking boxes, whether that's from a, the delivery perspective or the customer saying, look, we've got a problem with culture. We want to tick a box yeah. in this. So, yeah. you know, we, we all know that that doesn't work in most cases. So what, what are you seeing as sort of the three or four key elements that will drive that higher performing culture? Um, real commitment from the leadership and the senior team. If, if they're not committed to it, and we see it regularly, you know, we'll have large businesses who one person on the leadership team doesn't think it's worth it or they think it's a bunch of faff. Uh, if there's if there's not real dedication, and I guess the one thing that I will say, even from our experience and from what I've done with clients, is having the grit and the determination, changing culture and changing leadership and becoming a better leader is 
that's not something that you pick up overnight and it's something that requires consistent ongoing dedication and determination and picking yourself up day after day and if if the leadership and the senior people are not committed to it it will fail time and time again so the first thing would be getting everybody on board acknowledging there needs to be a change getting them involved in the process i will quite often when I'm rolling out like a culture piece or a leadership piece to a business, I'll quite often just pull the directors in for a pre-meeting before the actual workshops. Mm -hmm. So then you're kind of digging out what they actually want. Um, the second piece I would say would be consistency. So just like you have to be <laughs> banging your head against that brick wall until you're through it. Um, and the third would be a really clear framework. So starting to really give your people the tools to own their own culture experience. So I have, I have, a, I have a tool, it's an acronym um, for, a, for having a really good conversation, but the acronym doesn't spell anything good. So it's, it's just IAAP, but I, it's pretty much one of my favorite tools that I come back to time and time again, because it helps anybody have a really awkward conversation, but get a really good outcome. Um, so I like to build in tools like that, that they can use so that they can. What does IAAP stand for? <laughs> so I, I is for inquiry. So going in with like a seek to understand mindset. Um, the first A is for acknowledgement. So acknowledging what the other person has said, making sure you understand their point of view. The third, A, the second A is for advocacy. So sharing then your point of view. Um, and going, well, this is kind of how I see it and this is why it was this way. Um, and then the P is for problem solving. So cool. it's a really, I rave about it. My clients probably hate the fact that I'm <laughs> ranting about it all the time, but it works on everything. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think, but again, if you're passionate about it and that's coming through and I like the point you're making on, you know, the, the workshops, you know, it, it's not a one-off event, you know, nah. evolving a culture can take years yeah. and having a good facilitator that can recognize that, contextualize it to the business yeah. and work with them on an ongoing basis. Um, because again, it, it's, it's not going to change overnight um, with yeah. the people and that, and especially in the current market, I, I think there seems to be a shift as, you know, cost of living pressures, uh, interest rates, economic pressures, global, you, you name it's coming out business yeah. owners at the moment and you're seeing a shift to a lot more of this, I guess, performance, profitable growth focus across businesses. And that's often then pushing back internally, with, you know, some leadership programs or what is potentially seen as discretionary yep. items like that. But probably there's never a more important time for, for businesses to focus on that. So how do you balance that in building a, a good culture and leadership and, and the guidance you're giving to, to organisations that are trying to grapple with that balance of the two? Yeah, it's it's been an interesting one. We approached this year with kind of, I guess, like a strategic mindset to go, okay, let's build our strategies, let's go from there, um, which is normal. That's what we do at the start of every year because our financial year is March, so we kind of use January, February to help people build their strategy. And I had thought that lead anything to do with leadership, anything to do with culture, any kind of fluffy kind of stuff would instantly be on the no thank you, not this year. And I have been blown away by the amount of people who have reached out and gone, okay, so I need training in this and I need coaching in this. And actually, what can you, can you just reassess everything that you're doing and tell me what else we need? And it's, it's been really interesting to see that. And I think potentially like our, 
our clients made a lot of really hard decisions through the pandemic. So they they worked really hard on improving their profitability throughout that point. And to be fair, we haven't got a lot who operated with a lot of fat and a lot of fluff. Um, but also throughout the years, and this is again that benefit of you know them, so you're part of their trusted relationship. So at a certain point in time, I will have said to them or Steve will have said to them or Justin will have said to them, there's a bit of a leadership challenge here, guys. Like, we probably need to work on this. And so all of that has kind of come out this year where they've gone, well, you said that we needed to invest in leadership. And I'm like, yeah, but I want to make a profit too. So they're like, no, it's fine. It's in the budget. This is what we're going to do. So mm. um, that's that's been interesting. There is definitely a shift towards not accepting mediocre. And I can see and feel that kind of happening around me. And I love that. I'm so fired up about that. Yes. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I guess this is the thing to lead a team through what you've, what we've been through, you know, the pandemic moving into what we've got coming. You've and feeding that into the programs that you're delivering as well, because that then brings it authentic. So, and, and I think, you know, you've probably reinforced that all the way through. Um, this discussion of of making sure that you're listening to the owners and the managed to, to meet them where they're at as an organization and bring all of that in so if they've got a shift towards performance you know the leadership and culture discussion should be hinged yeah to that as well yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. um so what are some of the key tips you provide to other advisors looking to help their clients more in this leadership and culture space uh, I, I guess um, not jumping the gun, but it sounds like getting the strategy piece right at the front end is is a, is the key. Yeah, I think um, I think being able to have that set becomes quite powerful um, because then you've got aligned strategies, which is nice. Um, but the tips, the biggest tip that I probably have is get courageous. Like these conversations can be flipping awkward, and you know I've had I've had leaders burst into tears in front of me when I've very gently said how do you feel about your leadership style? Like, do you think this is working? Um, so it's, it takes a bit of guts to, to say it and, and, to, and to say it in a timely manner. Like, if you can see it's going to be a problem, say it early. Like, don't faff about. Get mm. it said because they will trust and respect you more for calling it out when nobody else ever has. Um, and to that point, my second tip would be is if you don't do it, somebody else is going to do it. So this is an opportunity for you to stretch in further and to make your client more and more sticky. And if you don't do it, if you don't go, well, actually, we could offer this and we could offer this, and it has to be within your comfort zone. But what a beautiful time to stretch outside of that. Um, and the third point that I have is be a, be a leader in it. So the very much the not the do what I say, um, but you have you have to tell them to do what you do. And if you're not in your organization leading and and trying to change the world, for lack of a better, mm. slightly less fluffy term, um, then how can you expect that they'll listen to you? How, do, how can they see you as an expert if you haven't done it and try to do it every single day yourself? Yes. No, that's some fantastic points, and I, I think uh, you know, um, you're you're a great example of somebody that has, you know, not only in your journey, but I know your tenacity to keep learning and evolving and listening and and being authentic and bringing that through. And you can see why you've got clients sort of knocking down your door because uh, again, you, you 
safe pair of hands, but you're also um, good at challenging clients. And, and in this current market where they're looking for focus, mm. that's what they're seeking out. They don't want the generic off the shelf stuff. They don't no. want the, somebody that's got all the cliches not backing it up. So I think you're a perfect example of somebody that's got the alignment on the, the delivery, the facilitation, the living and breathing it. So yeah, all, all credit to you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> It's a yeah. battle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's part of the journey, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Fantastic. No, well, Nikita, some fantastic thoughts today, and uh, I'm sure there's been a lot of um, it's a light bulb moments for people, not only in taking on board how they can be different from a leadership and culture perspective, but to apply that to clients. So, I uh, really appreciate you sharing your your time today. I know things are flat out, so uh, thanks thanks again for all your insights. No, awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, terrific. Thanks.